I have to begin by wishing a happy Father's Day to everyone. And there we go. Yeah. A happy Father's Day to, to all the dads that are here in the hall and also for those that are watching on YouTube at the moment and those that will be watching it later online. I trust that you're having a great day and that you get to enjoy time with your loved ones um, sometime today. Or, if you're like me, have had a celebration already. Um, we had a combined Father's Day and Jill's birthday, which is tomorrow, um, celebrating with Karen up in London on Friday evening. So we had a combined celebration. Then I had a, a, a call from Stephen in South Africa this morning. So I've been blessed by my kids already today, and I trust that you will also be able to catch up with your children and that you can be blessed by them. Last time I preached, I looked at the parable of the weeds from Matthew chapter 13. And since then, we had our extended time of worship. We, got, we worshipped Him and we had words come through and God spoke to us through that time. Um, then we celebrated the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. And last week, Jill spoke about the parable of the wise and foolish virgins from Matthew chapter 25. Today, I'm continuing the series on the parables of Jesus and going back to chapter 13 uh, of Matthew and looking at two parables that are very short but still carry a lot of meaning. I'm looking at the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. So let's read these two parables. He, this is Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. I said it was short, um, but uh, <clears throat> there's two short par parables. And they carry quite a lot of meaning. So these two parables are also found in Luke's Gospel. But in Mark's Gospel, only the parable of the mustard seed is recorded. Now I'm going to begin by focusing on the first parable of the mustard seed, and then I'll finish with the parable of the yeast. Once again, Jesus uses everyday imagery that the people listening to him would be familiar with. Things that they either did themselves or saw people doing. In Jesus' day, most people would have had land or a garden that they, could, they, could, they used to grow produce, that they could use in their kitchen for their meals that they were preparing. Nowadays, most of us in the Western world who have gardens might have a small vegetable or a herb garden that we use to grow stuff that we use occasionally. But it's not stuff that we need to produce for us to live off. When we were in Malawi, living in the city of Blantyre, nearly every piece of open ground around the city would have maize growing in it in the growing season. Even the wealthiest of the Malawians would have maize growing in a part of their garden. And often the land between the road and their front wall or front fence would be used for planting as well. And we had in our garden, we had a space that we gave for our servants to, to grow some maize. It was a small part of the garden and they could use that. But they were grateful for it because it helped feed their family. So when Jesus starts talking about planting a mustard seed 
and seeing a large bush or a tree grow, it was something they were all familiar with and would have had first-hand knowledge about. How many of you have seen mustard seeds? Who's seen mustard seeds? Yeah, a few, a handful of us. Most of the time we just buy ready-made mustard. We don't get the seed and do all the work to make it into a mustard. They're very small. How many of you have seen a mustard tree? A mustard plant. I don't think I've seen one, a live one. I might have, but not realized what it was. So Michael, even you haven't seen a mustard tree. Huh? No, in all your gardening experience, no mustard tree. Yeah, we need to try and find one. I wonder if they do grow in this country. Hey. So what is this parable all about? It's about small beginnings and the growth that follows. Jesus came as the seed of God to earth and brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. It began very small. He started on his own. Even his siblings didn't recognize who he was at first. It was just his mother and Joseph who knew who he really was. He began his ministry with a few fishermen, a tax collector, a religious zealot, and some other men of no significance or social standing. Along with his mother and several other women of various backgrounds and standing in society whose lives he had impacted and or transformed. The kingdom of heaven on earth had a mustard seed type beginning that, like the mustard tree, began to grow from a small seed. The early church was very small. We know that from the gospel accounts where it was Jesus, his 12 disciples, and a handful of women, and a few others who were unnamed, up until the time of his crucifixion. After his crucifixion and resurrection, there was some growth, because by the time we get to the book of Acts, after his ascension to heaven, we see there were about 120 people meeting in the upper room when the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. On that day, the church in Jerusalem expanded quite rapidly with about 3,000 new believers being added. But even that is still a small seed compared to how many people there were in Jerusalem and Israel at that time. Never mind the rest of the world. It was still a small beginning, but it was growing. Just like the mustard plant starts as a seed in the ground that then begins to grow, popping out above the ground as an almost insignificant little plant, but with time grows into one of the largest garden plants or trees in which the birds can come and perch in its branches. Now before I say anything about the birds and the branches, I want to say that this parable can also be seen as what happens in us personally as we come to faith and grow as a believer. Often it is just a little seed that is sown in our lives. We see something, or we hear something, or we read something, or somebody says something to us. That puts a seed of faith in our lives. Other things happen in our lives that water that seed as it lies under the soil in our hard hearts until there's a moment in time when it breaks through that crust and we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. And that bit of plant breaks the surface of the soil and begins to grow. The kingdom of God is planted into our hearts as a small seed, and then there is the revelation breakthrough, and our faith and walk in Christ begins to grow. Just this week, 
I had an opportunity at work to share the gospel with, with one of the guys I worked with. We were just chatting, we had a bit of a break in, in our time of work, and uh, we were just sitting down chatting. And he was someone who had a faith and walked away from it. And by the end of the day, he thanked me for just speaking to him about a relationship with God, and not about religion, but about having a relationship, a living relationship with God. And he said it really touched him. So it was just wonderful to be able to have that experience of just share a little seed planted in his heart, or a seed that was there, pouring water on it to cause it to grow. And we'll see what happens um, in his life. It'll be interesting to watch the next time I get to work with him. Our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ are meant to be a time of continual growth. Just like the mustard plant, beginning small and growing into a tree that gets bigger and bigger over time. Now getting back to the birds and the branches, most images of birds in Scripture, particularly if they are doves, are depictions of the Holy Spirit. How do we see them in this parable? Is Jesus saying that the kingdom of heaven is where the presence of the Holy Spirit is found? The Holy Spirit comes and perches, or as many translations put it, nest in the branches. The Holy Spirit takes up residence where the kingdom of heaven is. The Holy Spirit is always present where the kingdom of heaven is. The birds could also depict the people of the world who are seeking rest and shelter. And the only place where perfect rest is to be found is where the kingdom of heaven is found on the earth. The church. Among us, those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We, the church, Christ's disciples, are to be the place where weary and tired birds of the air, the people of this world, can find rest, restoration, and shelter from the pain and suffering that, so, that is so often found in the world. The second parable in this passage is the parable of the yeast. How many of you have ever made your own bread by hand? Not in a bread-making machine, but by hand. I know many were making all sorts of bread during lockdown. Who did that? Who made bread during lockdown? A number of people, yeah. Now, one of my most cherished memories of my childhood was when my brother and I were small and we would stay over at my grandparents' place. It was mostly over the weekends, either on a Friday night or a Saturday night, when my parents were going to a function, normally a rugby, rugby do or something like that, and we would go and stay with my grandparents. My grandfather used to make his own bread, and we were allowed to help him. He would have the flour, the warm water, and the yeast all ready and prepared. And he had one of those big ceramic bowls, the like light brown one with the, the cream inside. You know what they are, the, the old traditional mixing bowls. He had one of those, and all the ingredients would be added and mixed, more added and mixed with his wooden spoon, He'd get going, and then when all the ingredients in, were in the mixing bowl, he'd then mix it by hand as it came into that dough. And then he'd take it out uh, and put it on the, on the countertop, and then he'd begin to knead it. And we were allowed to help him with that. We could help him take it out of the bowl, put it down, and we would try a bit of kneading, and then obviously he'd have to take over and get it done properly. Um, there was flour sprinkled, sprinkled on, the, on the top of the counter so it didn't stick, and he'd knead it, he'd turn it, he'd pull it over and stretch it and do all of these things until he is happy that uh, 
everything was mixed in. It was quite a lengthy process. And when he was happy with that, that it was properly kneaded and all the ingredients were properly mixed together, he would put the lump of dough back into the ceramic bowl and then put a, place a tea towel over it and place it in the warmest part of the kitchen and then leave it there till the next morning. Early the next morning, we would get up and go through to the kitchen to find that the tea towel had risen way above the edges of the mixing bowl as the, the dough had uh, expanded because of the interaction of the yeast, warm water, and the flour, making thousands of tiny little air bubbles in the dough. He would then punch it down, uh, the risen dough, and knead it a bit more before placing it into the bread tins and putting them into the oven. Later that morning, we would sit down to a breakfast with freshly baked bread. It was such a wonderful experience that. And we really loved going there to do it. Now, I don't know how many of you, you have done that, made bread for yourself and enjoyed it when it's just fresh out the oven. Now, in this parable, unlike many other times in Scripture, the yeast is a good thing. It, it has a positive effect on the flour, infiltrating into all the flour. In many other passages in Scripture, yeast is often a metaphor for sin, but not in this case. Here it is seen as something good. It has a positive effect on that into which it is mixed. It's an agent of change. Like the yeast in the flour, there is nowhere in the world that the kingdom of heaven cannot reach and, and that part of the world cannot be influenced by it. The church has been persecuted right from the birth of the church and it will continue being persecuted. Believers will be tortured and killed for their faith in Jesus Christ, but it will never stop from doing what it has been called and commissioned to do. And that is to go into all the world and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Like the yeast in the flour, there is no person who is beyond the reach of the kingdom of heaven. No matter what a person has done, Jesus has already paid the price for that misdeed or those misdeeds or their misdeeds and their sin. Don't ever let the devil tell you that you are too far gone, that you are beyond redemption, because Jesus has already forgiven you. He has paid the price on the cross. We celebrated communion this morning. That's what it was all about, him giving his life for us. All you need to do is just come to Him and repent of your sin and misdeeds. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. I think most of us know that verse, those verses very well. John three sixteen and 17. We are God's representative on the earth today. And we carry the kingdom of heaven in us. And we are commissioned to go into the world and share the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with those who do not have a relationship with God. We are called to be agents of change. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission. 
Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. If you do not have a living relationship with God through Jesus Christ, now is the time to make that right. If you do, then now is the time to go and make disciples. Amen. Got some discussion questions? For those of us in the hall, we'll do it around the tables. For those that are online, you'll stop that shortly and uh, go on to the Zoom. So here are the questions. What stood out for you in this sermon? And share, share that. Secondly, in what ways are you able to be a place of shelter and rest to those you are in contact with as they go about their daily lives? Thirdly, what plan do you have for reaching out to those you believe God is calling you to make disciples of? And fourthly, how can we be the yeast, the agent of change in our sphere of influence? That's both personally and corporately as a church. How can we be an agent of change, the yeast, in our sphere of influence? And then pray for one another at the end.